you're listening to the City Lights Sermon Podcast, where we are equipping you to exalt Jesus and extend the kingdom of heaven right where you are. Thanks for joining us. Um, Lynn didn't mention we've been married 40 years this year, and, uh, and I've learned over the years that I am married to the Holy Spirit. It just took me a while to get it. And uh, we've uh, been living in South Africa 10 years now. So we are officially, I love telling Dee that we're real African-Americans. She's just an American-African. We've been uh, been engaging the Father heart and, and kind of going after the idea that we still live under an Old Testament theism. That God's way up there and he's still a visitation God. Because as we're invited in the Trinitarian relationship in Eden, it's mankind invited into the intimacy of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is our predestination, our predetermined heart of the Father is that you share life and you do life with us. And we've been really landing on the idea that oftentimes, even in YWAM, we have so many young people come that are fervent. I want to do something for God. Well, God doesn't want you to do anything for him. He wants you to do something with him. He's a God of with. Sky Jitani's book on with is about this generation that wants more than just doing stuff for God and being a subcontractor for him and, and somehow, you know, just making his stuff happen. We, he wants to be a part of it. We want to be a part of it. And it comes out of relationship. Everything about the Father is about relationship. I don't care if it's discipline, your fire, your, your apartment, uh, you know, uh, burning down. Like, Taylor showed up, and that, that day is... His apartment burned down, and he still showed up. But the Father is working, and there's a great song of reckless love. If he's working, I'm going to wait. And I'm going to wait, as uh, Habakkuk says, long enough to be astonished. Because this is a God that's always wanting more to share more life with us. But we move from this habitation in the garden and suddenly sends this pushback. And we live in this place of habitation where in the Old Testament, God is very spatialized. He comes, he disappears, he anoints a few people in moments. And we have this sense of loss. And as C.S. Lewis says, we've lost that distant song, but it's still there. We almost still hear the animals speaking. And there's something that tugs in our heart to who we are really called to do life with and, and celebrate life with in community with the Trinity so we can do community here. I want you to know the faith we walk in is not an individual faith. It's a community faith. We often say if you have a dream, a vision, you dream that vision by yourself, it's just a dream, but you dream it community, it will become reality. In Africa, we call it Ubuntu. It means I am who I am because of all of who we are. We're connected. There's something in which all of us, we are meant to share community. That's why I like your porch or your gig idea on the Swamp Rabbit Trail. And I love it because my daughter is like one of the managers out there. And so she loves that area. She works there. But I like the idea. You mentioned the older son. He's fighting for stuff that's already his. It's amazing how much energy we do fighting for things that are already ours. But also about that older son, it says the father went out to the son who would not come in. I think sometimes we're waiting for people to come in and we should go out to those who will not come in. We, we host them. 
You know, we go out to the trail. We open up opportunities for collision of the sacred relationships that we're called to, and it starts to remind people of their true design and destiny. And as we walk through the Old Testament, you got these moments where they want to get back, right? They build the Tower of Babel in, in, in uh, Genesis 9. They're trying to get there. God says that won't work. So he gives them a tabernacle in Exodus 33, and it means Shekinah. It means that here, I come to tabernacle with you. You're trying to get to me, I'm coming to you. Right in the middle of your desert and your pushback. And then they build, you know, you know David says, oh, let's build this great thing, Solomon fishing. They call it the house of the Lord. That's where our God is. But they still live in visitation. Then Jesus comes. We're still under Old Testament visitation. Because God isn't everywhere. He's in Jesus. And in a sense, God has stooped down in that moment. And he's come in that moment to live and do life with us because that's the Father's heart. And Jesus always is taking us to the Father. And the Spirit is always reminding us that we're his children. That's his primary ministry. Always crying out, Abba, Father. And then you got Jesus dying on the cross. And, you know, I don't think it's the greatest thing he did. I think sometimes we end at the cross. But when Jesus came out like a drama queen dressed as a gardener, I don't know about you, if I'm coming back from death and grave and conquering everything, I'm not, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, Father, can I come back as a gardener? I think that'd be really cool. He comes back as a gardener disguised. Mary can't touch him. Two guys in the Mass Road can't touch him, but then Thomas can because something happened. See, the whole scene wasn't done because Jesus, as a man, sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat of God, and he brought us back to the place as if sin never, ever occurred brought us back into the Trinity. And for the first time in over 4,000 years, we're back in the Trinity because Jesus is there and we're seated with Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name because I'm in Jesus. Everything is in Christ. But then he says, I'm not just getting you that place, restoring that because that's what you're meant for. And that's our, that's our whole heart to do life together. I'm gonna say you're gonna do greater things than I did. So it's farther up and farther in. Christ increases and so do we. And as we come through that and we come to John chapter, uh, Matthew chapter six, there's this amazing prayer, right? And it's a prayer of community. Our father, not mine or just yours. It's our father. It's a community prayer. It's a community creed. It is entering into a covenant together with God in which he says, hey, this creed, this announces how I'm, come, I'm doing life with you and you're doing life with me. And these are the values and these are the things about who we are. And I'd love, and later on, I'm going to ask you, Mike, to put all those names up again, that slide when we do it. I'll just let you know. Because the names of God, you know, God's nature is who he is naturally. His character was, was what he chooses to do with his nature. So when Jesus come and he said, now Jesus has come and the word has become flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is the Hebrew word Shekinah. It's tabernacle. Now he comes to tabernacle with us, and now he is in us and with us doing life, and we become the embassies of the kingdom of heaven. See, I'm in Africa. If we're in danger, we go to the American embassy. We're protected there. We have, Amer we have a rights as American. That's American sovereign territory. In the same way, guess what? You're the sovereign place of the living God. You're embassies of the kingdom of heaven on earth. See, so we're not, we're not ordinary, we're not, we, we look at each other from a different point of view. And so he walks in this prayer and he says, our father, which with our group, we're going to go really intimate with that today. But I want to just talk briefly about the second phrase and hallowed be your name. 
I, I, I was born and raised Catholic. I've said this prayer so many times, it's ridiculous. And I just blitz through it. And it's amazing how you can blitz through something. And in, in the beginning, it says, don't just pray like pagans in Babel. I have prayed this prayer so much like a pagan. Babbling, just ripping through it, never asking, what does hallowed be thy name mean? He says he's his father, and he tells us who he is and where we belong. And then the father is always generous. There's nothing like generosity that approximates heaven on earth. And, and, and who the Father is. And in, in Hallowed Be Thy Name, there's something the Father's doing of generosity. And it's sneaky Jehovah good. All of a sudden, you're reading this. And in the Greek, it simply means this. To elevate his name to be seen. Well, then, let's take it apart. You look at the names. Well, the names of God are, God is so good, you cannot outthink him. He's, he, he's just, it's just amazing. He picked two languages that are dead languages now. So all the names of God that we have in the Hebrew and the Greek have been protected so that those words will not morph and change in culture to mean something other than what they mean. And there's a tense that means not only is this who God is in the moment, it is a future tense, ongoing, active. So he's not just the God who is hope, he's God who's always doing hope. He's not just the God who's faithful, he's always doing faithfulness. He's not just the God who provides, he's always providing He's not just the God who listens. He's always listening. Everything about God is active, and he's a now, now God. I am. Not I was or I will be. I am. And Brendan Manning says, if you don't meet with him right now, you never will. Because he's the God of I am. The present moment. We call it in Africa now, now. You've got to meet God now, now. Right? Not just now, but now, now. And all these names are active. They're They're amazing. So then my question is, how are the active names of God lifted up to be seen? Well, then you go to Joshua 4. And in Joshua 4, in the beginning of the chapter, you have this where they're crossing the Jordan. And as they're crossing, he asks one person from each tribe, take up a stone among you. And when you cross over, I want you to the other side. And I want you to build a memorial, an Ebenezer, or stones of remembrance. So that you can remember where you saw me and I showed up. Because remember, they were under Old Testament visitation. So when God showed up, they wanted to remember. And those stones told a story. And story is so important. I'm telling you right now. And I see us. We're all over this, you know, the place. We, it's like we're all spaced out to see a movie. You know, we don't want to be, I need space. But I've got this idea that you need to, to know that there's this, this sense of God I just lost my train of thought. I get so excited. Um, uh, there's this uh, sense of God. Oh, where <clears throat> when they cross over, they put the stones that your story, where you're sitting right now, you're not called to be anonymous. Your story is important. Even if you're in the middle of a testimony, it doesn't sound good. And I'm telling you, I love the people in the middle of the testimony and it's not done. That's the greater testimony for me doesn't have the shiny finish. They're just undone and pure and messy. And it's a wonderful, scandalous grace. I love it. I draft off of it. it get, I draft off of that faith. And God is saying, even for you, your story's important. And the story's important here because the whole generation died off except two guys, Joshua and Caleb. You're only ones to remind them of the stones. And it says there in verse nine, all the stones remain there to this day. I still believe that. So you got this sense when God shows up, they want to remember. Then all of a sudden, all through the Old Testament, you got stones of remembrance everywhere. Story, story. That's where we saw God. 
You know, that's the moment we saw. We saw his power. We saw his active name. We saw it in that place. And then you get to the New Testament and all of a sudden all the stones disappear. You don't hear about him anymore until probably the last guy that should bring it, brings it up, brings it up. Peter. If we didn't have Peter, I don't think, heck, I wouldn't grow as much as I do. All of a sudden in 1 Peter chapter 2, there's this proclamation. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What did Peter just announce? The venue changed. It's not a place in the Old Testament. You're the place. And you're the place of the active name of God because now he tabernacles with us. And he, who he is naturally in his character is in us and through us. And we become the father with skin on. We become Jesus with skin on, the Holy Spirit with skin on. And they're doing life with us and we're doing life with them. And as we live that, all of a sudden, it's not just empty words. We are the active place of his name. So now God does grace through you. He does provision through you. He does victory through you. He does patience through you. He does healing through you. Victory through you. Purity through you. Because he can't help but be himself. And he just leaks out of us. He's not choosing stones anymore. Us to be the place of his active name. What does that look like? I'll just give you a couple stories. One was here in Greenville. I was at actually one of um, uh, Ollie's best friends. I was at a fish fry. I'm telling you, if you ever come to the South, and I love when we get to heaven, if you talk about heaven, there's gonna be food there. Marriage supper of the lamb, food. You know, you talk about Jesus, most Bible scholars will tell you he ate his way through the gospels. The dude was always eating. And fish, he was either catching it, eating them, or getting a coin out of them. Hey, so, I mean, he really loved fish. I mean, if I was, a, I wouldn't want to be created as a fish with Jesus around. You're in trouble. Okay, so, oh, thank you. So, all of a sudden, we're at this fish fry, and there's about 12 people in a living room. We're doing life in this house, the family altar. That's where the altars need to be, reestablished in our homes. Not in the church, not in the corporate thing. This is the celebration which should happen in our everyday lives as we walk as the tabernacle wherever we are. We shift the atmosphere. People, when we walk around them and we know who we are in the Father, because as Merton said, the more we know the true Father, the more we know our true self. And the more we celebrate our true self, the more we celebrate the true Father. And when people are around us, you know what happens? They're homesick. They're homesick. It reminds them. So we're sitting in this fish fry. I love it, man. Greasy fish and chips. Nothing's worse for my body, but so good for my spirit. So I'm eating this stuff, you know, because I'm made to celebrate. And as we're eating, I notice there's a lady in the corner named Catherine. She's kind of withdrawn, and there's, she's in the back of the, this, this couch corner, and she's kind of, uh, there's a darkness. You could tell she's a little bit in pain and struggling. And then I hear someone say, hey, how was your appointment? And she said, it didn't go very well. Well, when you're the place of the Father who's compassionate and loving and pursuing and will go through anything, you can't sit there. So I put my fish down. I walked over to her, and I'm pretty sure Catherine had been prayed a million times. I said, Catherine, can I pray for you? She said, yes. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't have any healing oil, but I had fish oil. So I just <laughs> anointed her head with fish oil. And I just said, God, just touch her from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. And we saw God land 
I can't tell you for sure, I'm not a doctor, but we saw the spirit of God land and all of a sudden life was breathed. It was like life was breathed back into her life. All of a sudden she's sitting up, she's engaging. And you know what's so fun about it? It's not hard work. I'm just agreeing with the father and his heart in me and we're doing this together. You know, we're, 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 we're entering this together and I just love the honor that we can do life together in this moment. And when you enter these moments, don't make it hard work. Jesus was not wordy. Think about it. He's like, get up, walk, see, come forth. He doesn't use a lot of words. And sometimes we use so many words almost to pacify our lack of faith that I'm not sure God's going to come through and we injure our way, our way around. Just get it out. Bless you. God landed on her. All of a sudden, she's sitting up. She's eating fish. She's engaged. I go back to see, eating fish because when God lands, I love to eat. Don't you? God lands and you're like, I need to eat. I need, I need to celebrate. We need to celebrate more. So I sit down and eat the fish. And all of a sudden, there's a couple off to our right from her. And the lady goes, oh, man, that's, thank you, pastor. So much wonder. And then she turns to her husband. You know, you're supposed to be a pastor, but you've been running from God. Man, I'm telling you, if your wife, never call you out your husband in an open group. Because it's not going to be good for you. He turned and said, well, you've never been baptized. I put the fish down. I walked over to him. And before I could get to him, the spirit of repentance was all over him. And I said, buddy, we want to give that another shot. He goes, Yes. I had fish oil. I don't know if it's legal. I anointed him right there and I ordained him as a pastor. I'm agreeing with heaven. I'm agreeing with the father of the call of God on his life. His life is so, this is so good. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm, eat, I'm eating fish again. All of a sudden she goes, man, I want to get baptized. And there's, no, there's no place to baptize her. So we put the fish down. We did it the old Presbyterian way. We got a bucket and we just poured just over three times in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit right in the middle of that fish fry. You know who baptized her? The new pastor, her husband. And then I go back to eating fish and we're just excited. This is God's in our midst because when God's in our midst, he's waiting to surprise us and actually for us to surprise him to step into it. It's like Peter. He didn't wait to come out. He said, can I come out? He's waiting for us. To, hey, can I come out? Can I, can, can I, can we do this together? So I sit down eating fish, and all of a sudden, she's so excited. She goes, man, you know what we should do sometime? Renew our vows. Well, why wait? I put the fish down. <laughs> Got a tablecloth. They sat in the middle of this little fish fry. We put it over them, and they renewed their vows. I'm telling you, that is a stinking good meal. We saw a healing, an ordination, a baptism, and the renewing of vows. When you are the active venue in the place of the Father, you know what? Nothing is normal anymore. You get ruined for the ordinary. And you think it's miraculous and supernatural for God. It's naturally who he is. It's just who he is. I'll tell another one. We have our oldest daughter, our most rebellious. If you have a rebellious child, celebrate that they're actually more passionate than you would ever believe. Because you always look at the opposite of their spirit. And the rebellion of our daughter was actually digging well for the passion of God to be poured into her life. And so we were in YWAM. We moved from California to the East Coast. Our daughter calls us and says that I want to come out with my boyfriend. Okay. So they, he's a dairyman, Dutch dairyman. His name's Bud. I love that name. So he, they fly all night on a red eye, get to New York early in the morning. We drive two hours to our house. And as we're driving, Bud falls asleep in the back. And then there's this moment where Sierra kind of puts her head up between her seats and says, I have something to tell you guys. 
you know when, you know when it's a sacred broken moment. And I think we started crying away. We just knew something. And she says, I don't want you to be disappointed, but I'm pregnant. I pulled the car over. I got out. I opened the back seat. I pulled Bud out and I shot him. No. <laughs> no, that would be a really great testimony, but no, that's not it. <laughs> All we could do is tell Sierra, in Jesus' name, you're forgiven. It's going to be okay. You might think, you, you know, you made a mistake. That child is not a mistake. And I'm telling you because Sierra in that car got the father heart through us with skin on. It changed her life. And today, she's one of my heroes. She is the most godly, ferocious, passionate mother, lover of God that I've ever, one of the passion I've ever met. Because in a moment in a car, she got God through us, in us, in that moment, because we're the venue. How many people do you know need to hear in Jesus' name, you're forgiven. With skin on. <laughs> to be able to be those royal priests that steward well what God is asking us to step into with him. How come we don't see it that much, though? I can tell you story after story, and I still want more, but some of you are like, I love those stories, but I want my story. I want to get my own story. That's what this generation wants. I think we don't see it that much because we're so cursed in name. We don't believe we can be a blessing in name. You think about it. Words are powerful. You're either agreeing with the father, truth, or the father of lies. We're either encouraging godliness or discouraging it. There's a weight of glory on our words. There's a weight on them. And think of the things that have been said, you know, and we, we remember them, right? You never finish anything. You're irresponsible. Why can't you get it together? You are so untrustworthy. You are just like your brother. You're just like your father. You're just like your mother. Why can't you be like your sister? You're so clumsy. Irresponsible, untrustworthy. I'll never believe you again. And we hear these things over and over. And unfortunately, in a fallen creation... We start to believe the lies and then start to fight for the things that are actually ours because the enemy knows where to attack and go after our inheritance. Because he lost it. <laughs> he knows it. <laughs> he misses it. You know what I love? That Jesus went to hell and preached. You know what that tells me? He can't help but be himself even in hell. He's a lover. He's a redeemer. He's not afraid of the darkness, even in our lives. <laughs> He's there. But we hear these words over and over again. Then we pick up simple stuff. My sister is almost 60. We go to a restaurant. Her hand's always shaking, one hand, two hands, trying to get a glass of water to her mouth. And then I remember the picture. She's like a four or five-year-old, and every time at dinner, she always spilled her milk. My dad would either just grab her head or slap her real quick and say, you're so clumsy, clean it up. She's almost 60, living under the curse. But you know what? I have really good news. The father loves to change names. 
Jacob, deceiver, has a reputation. He's now Israel. Abram is now Abraham. Hosea, called to marry a prostitute named Gomer. I don't know what's worse, introducing your wife and saying she's a prostitute or her name is Gomer. You know? And then they have three children. Jezreel means scattered. Loami means not loved or shown mercy. Loloama means not my family or kin, which tells you the prophet's saying that all the three children, and you tell from the rest of the story, aren't his really anyway because she was still sleeping around. And then by chapter three, the father changes all their names. The one who's scattered is now sown. The one who's not loved and shown mercy is now loved and shown mercy. The one who is not my family is now my family. Saul is now Paul. Peter is now a rock. I love it. It's calling out what he doesn't see, but who the father sees, that's who you are and you are becoming because I am gonna, I'm in that. And I'm gonna finish that and present you before my father's glorious throne without fault and with great joy. You're gonna make it. You're either gonna fight all the way or something, you're gonna, we're gonna live in the inheritance now and not live as an orphan and break that spirit, which we've been talking about this week and I can't go into it, but God wants to break the orphan spirit in us. You know, the orphan spirit of the church in YWAM, in the world, because the world, I'm telling you, when the father, Billy Graham says this, when the father heart is in a place, the orphans and the prodigals return. They come home. They're hungry. They're hungry. And then Peter, in Mark 16, Jesus says, who do you say I am? He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He says, hey, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And because you've told me who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. God loves to change names. In Ephesians 3.14, it says, for this reason, I kneel before my father in heaven, in whom his whole family on heaven and earth gets its name. If my people who are called by my name, he gives us a name. I love what all of us said. We, we have a name to communicate and we have a sense of context of who we are. Well, he says, not only do I have a name, I give you a name. I call you by a name. In Revelation 2.17, it says it's a, it's a brilliant, amazing manna written on a stone. And I think there's going to be that you'll sit down. We'll all have a moment with the Father. And he'll pull back and there'll be a name on the stone. It's going to be ours. I think there'll be two reactions. I think there'll be some people go, yes, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. Like excited. And I think sadly, there'll be some that go, I never knew who I was. I didn't know who that's who I was. The Father has given us a name. And you know what that name is? It comes against everything you've been fighting for that's already yours. It's all the things that have been attacking you and the areas where you have the most discouragement and maybe you fell down the most and it's the place you don't believe the most. And when the name comes, you're gonna go, that's not me. In fact, then as much as you say it's not me, it's probably you. It's probably you. So at nine, when my dad left, I took on a vow. I became a performance addict because kids are great historians, but we're lousy interpreters. I wasn't able to say, oh, dad, mom, you're messed up. What did I do? Kids always blame themselves. It's my fault. I did something to make him leave. Now I have to do something to make him come back at nine. So I made a vow. I'll never trust anybody again. It's on me. Can you tell the orphan spirit in that? 
So I started working at nine, getting a paper route, taking care of me. No one else will take care of me. I'm going to take care of me. And then I started being stingy and hoarding. And then whatever you believe inside, you project and you get it back. So I saw God as hoarding and stingy too. I project my own woundedness. I said, I'll never love anybody again. I'm not going to let them close enough to love me and leave me. So then what I did is I left people before they leave me. I sabotaged even good relationships to make them leave me because what I believed inside, I wanted to be true. I didn't know what it was, but I was sending out these signals. What I believe inside, I projected, I'm going to get it back. And I'm going to live a life. And I found people that would abandon me. Some of us are in relationships where we're projecting our woundedness. And if you want to know and kind of check and ask God what's going on, check the tribe around you. It'll tell you the vibe going on in your heart. Where you're operating out of. The Father has come to give us this name. It's a name that he calls you, and you're going to not believe it. It's going to be, you're going to go, this can't be true. And I am, I'll just tell you, I, I approach him every morning. I'm rich the loving, and I'm rich the trusting. That's better than Chronicles of Narnia. I'm rich the loving and trusting, and I'm rehearsing the truth, and I'm saying out loud, this is who I am in you. And he gives language and a name to this relationship. I come not as an orphan begging and, 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 and groveling. I come as a son boldly because in Hebrews 4, Christ said we can come boldly. We belong. That's who I am. I love Chronicles of Narnia, Care Paravel. They all got new names. Peter heard what a man needed to hear. You are Peter the Magnificent. Susan heard what a woman needed to hear. You are Susan the gentle. Lucy heard what a child needs to hear. You are Lucy the valiant. You know what Peter heard? I mean, Edmund, he heard what a sinner needs to hear. Edmund, you're the just. He calls us out and names us like Gideon. He didn't believe it. Oh, mighty man of valor, get up. He has a new name. He's been singing and rejoicing over us. And it takes back ground. It's like going out of Egypt and not coming out empty-handed. Don't come out empty-handed. Come out with plunder or else you're going to go back. And you get to name it. <clears throat> so I'm going to just sing a simple prophetic song over you. And even if you've got that slide with the names... It's the names of God, but it's also the names that God gives to us. And all of a sudden we look at, oh, there's the peaceful one. You know, there's the confident. There's the joyful. There's the steadfast. There's the beautiful one. There's the warrior prince. Man. When we agree with heaven, heaven has our back. So would you just kind of put your hands in your heart? To receive. We're not good receivers, right? We love to give because we're in control, but God's a giver. Freely, freely receive, freely, freely give. You receive, and then you become the generous place of giving. That's the rhythm of heaven. That's the economy of heaven. So, Father, I know you can't help but yourself because you, you just, you love us. Your heart aches. And you always want more and more and everything's about relationship and doing life with you. And, and I can do life with father, you, father, you, son, you, Jesus. And I thank you. You're not 
individuals, you're persons. I don't call you individual of the Holy Spirit. You're the person of the Holy Spirit. And that you invite us into the sacred place and restore our sacredness. Restore our humanity. Restore our dignity. Thank you, God, in this place, when you restored us as if sin never, ever occurred, that we're justified just as if we never sinned because now there's peace. You paid it all. We're debt free. So now we can enter into this moment and know we not only can we come boldly, we can come confidently and say, this is who I am. And like Peter, Father, it says that the more we tell you who you are, the more you tell us who we are. So God, just use this moment in these words. I will change your name. You shall no longer be called wounded, outcast, lonely or afraid. I will change your name. Your new name shall be confidence, joyfulness, Overcoming wants, oh, faithfulness, friend of God, one who seeks my face. I will change your name you shall no longer be called wounded outcast lonely or afraid i will change your name, your new name shall be confidence, joyfulness, overcoming ones, oh faithfulness, friend of God. One who seeks my face. Oh, the ones, the ones who seek my face. You're beautiful and kind. You're strong. You're loving. You're faithful, you're pure, you're forgivers, you're grace givers, you're valiant, you're magnificent, you're brilliant and intelligent and intuitive, you're healers, redeemers. I live in you 
And I not only live in you, I give you a name. Church, if we get this, we'll never need another program ever again. We are the place. <laughs> and like Peter, the more we tell him who he is, he tells us, as we tell him who he is, he tells us who we are. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And as heaven reveals that to us, guess what? We're going to hear in this proclamation, he's going to tell us our name. And it's going to come out of the confession and the dust in our lives that we look at and think there's nothing good here. But beauty comes out of the ashes. You're beautiful. You're kind. You're generous. You're selfless. You're a warrior. Steadfast. invite you to stand as we just enter and tell him who he is and let him just speak to you in response of who you are. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please let us know by leaving feedback on our iTunes channel. We hope you've enjoyed exalting Jesus with us.